Hello, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. This is Jonathan, your host of Redbeard Outdoors, and today we're going to go over another story of someone whose life and passion for invention and not giving up has been something that has inspired me throughout my life, especially lately as trials and challenges may have come up recently. Uh, I look at this individual as someone who showed that even before our time of having internet, being able to look things up whenever we want, and all the tools that we have available to us, all of that, he was able to overcome many obstacles in his life to become who he became. And that's the story we're going to go over today. So welcome back to those that have been listening and to anyone new. uh, Welcome for your first time. Uh, Today is the Sunday sit down edition where uh, it's a little bit longer than my Thursday thoughts. And uh, I am going to go over a story today. And if you gain anything from this, any knowledge, any cool, fun tidbits of information or anything you'd like to share, please share it with other people. My goal is to have my voice out there so that we can all progress, have more successful lives. And as I always say, get out, live your life and love it. I want everyone to live their lives and love their lives, not just a mundane, repeatable day after day, boring life, but something that you're passionate about, something that you enjoy. So that's what I'm here for. And as always, go check out on Instagram, red.beard.outdoors, and feel free to send me a message over there. Uh, Leave me some feedback on the podcast or any of my posts, and and let me know what you think. I'm always looking to improve and to, to be better. And that's what we're here for, right? Constant progress. So today, I want to discuss a man who was born in around the year 18, in the mid-1840s. We'll go with that, so I don't give it away too much, right? So in the mid-1840s, he began his career of inventing, probably well before this, obviously. He probably had a lot of inventions in his head, ideas when he was younger. But at the age of 16, he began his career in the telegraph industry. Back then, virtually the only source of electricity were primitive batteries and low voltage currents that were coming from those batteries. Nothing like what we have today. This individual was the seventh and last child in his family. And at an early age, even before he had began his career, he developed hearing problems, which now looking back, uh, people have hypothesized that it was due to their family tendency to mastoiditis. And I had to look this up. So mastoiditis is actually the inflammation of the mastoid process, one of the temporal bones just behind the ear. The mastoiditis, which primarily affects children, usually results from infection of the middle ear. Symptoms, which this doesn't sound fun at all, would include pain and swelling behind the ear and over the side of the head and fever. So imagine dealing with that at an early age, not knowing what it was, obviously, um, but you know, starting to lose your hearing, having those issues 
walking around with headaches or fevers, uh, pain right behind your ears or both ears, depending on how you were affected. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a hearing or an earache, but they are not fun. So imagine having that, right? When you're a young child and you can't explain what it is to your parents, just that you've got pain going on. On top of that, you're the seventh of all the children. So uh, being the last child, you know, parents could possibly not be paying as much attention to what's going on, uh, especially back then when they didn't have the medicine that we do nowadays. So at the age of seven, he entered school and attended school sporadically for about five years. He was very imaginative and inquisitive, but because much of the instruction was done during, through written ways, written uh, ways of, of performance grading, very similar to what we have nowadays as well, he didn't do so good. And add on to that, that he had a difficulty in hearing, he became very bored in class and labeled as back then they would call it a misfit or a bad child, basically, just not a good kid in class, which you can imagine if you had hearing issues, hearing loss, and on top of the hearing loss, you weren't very good at writing because you started school late and you weren't good at any of that, you would get bored because people weren't paying attention to you and helping you with what you needed. Instead, they were too busy calling you a bad child. Now, we have at least one of our children, if not two, that are very similar to that. One of our children in my personal life, uh, he suffers from, from hearing loss. And so we've had to be very specific with our teachers when we sit down with them and let them know, Brody's not choosing to ignore you. It's that he honestly, if he's not looking at you and can't read your lips, he probably can't hear you very well. So we've been working on that. So I can only imagine with this individual when he was younger, again, not having the technology that they do nowadays to test hearing, they just thought he was a bad kid. They didn't realize that he couldn't hear them. And that's very unfortunate. But that happens more often than not. So to become or to overcome his issue with being bored, he became a very avid reader. So he may not have been great with writing, he may not have been great with listening during class, but he was amazing at reading. He loved it. So he didn't really have much formal schooling, but he learned through reading. Okay. Then by the time, well, back then, at the time of the Civil War, uh, the most Americans had only attended school a total of 434 days which it's a little more than two years in today's schooling standard. That's not much at all. So at the age of 12, this individual decided to quit school and began working as a train boy at the railroad between Detroit and Port Huron. During this time is when he took advantage of an opportunity of the expansion an application of the telegraph. So this was one of the first commercial applications of the telegraph by Michigan Central. And 
due to the Civil War, there was a vast need for communication, and this was one of the most rapid forms of communication at the time, the telegraph. So he took advantage of the opportunity to learn telegraphy when he was only 16 years old. He became an apprentice telegrapher. Due to his partial deafness, this individual actually had an advantage because he was able to read quickly. As we'd mentioned before, he was an avid reader. So these messages that were initially received in Morse telegraph were inscribed as a series of dots and dashes on a strip of paper that had to be decoded and read. So this individual was already great at that because he was such a fast reader. Eventually, telegraphy was less read and more of an auditory art, and this left the individual, again, uh, at a disadvantage. So he began to come up with ideas as to how to make these machines even better so that people that also dealt with the, the problems that he dealt with could also enjoy the ability to communicate with the telegraph machine and not necessarily having to use their auditory cues to be able to use this machine. Then by the age of 22, he had come up with a device called the duplex telegraph, which was a device capable of transmitting two messages simultaneously on one wire and a printer, which converted electrical signals to letters that he abandoned telegraphy for full-time invention and entrepreneurship. So as not to spell out every single step of his life, I'll just go over a few ups and downs that he encountered throughout the rest of his life. Basically, this man overcame these hearing problems, headaches, other issues with his health that he had so that he could become one of the most successful inventors in the last couple hundred years. Now, this man was known to have said, I have not failed 10,000 times. I've successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. <laughs> I love that quote because he didn't look at it as failures. He just loved inventing so much that he may have failed at something. He's like, okay, well, let's reverse a little bit and go back and figure out what didn't work, tweak it, tinkered with it, and tried a different way. And he failed and failed and failed and failed and failed until he became a success, until he found the right way to do it. One of the things that uh, this man did was he took the concept of cement and tried to use it to build almost everything. He formed a company and made everything from cabinets for phonographs to pianos and houses. But unfortunately, at the time, concrete was way too expensive and the idea was never really accepted. So his company basically failed at the idea that he had originally come up with. But he was eventually hired to build the Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. So I'd say that's pretty successful, right? He might have failed at what he thought, but he took the next open door and built what has now become an icon in New York. He also tried to invent sound motion picture, right? Which now we have movies. But at the time, what he would do is he would take a kinetophone or a peephole motion picture viewer with a phonograph 
that played inside a cabinet, and sound could be heard through two ear tubes while the viewer watched the images, but this creation at the time was not widely accepted, never really took off, and failed. Another invention that I was able to, to see that failed for this man, but eventually has become quite the success, was the talking doll. Now, I can only imagine how creepy that might have been back then. Nowadays, we have Tickle Me Elmo and a bunch of other toys that speak. Their mouths move, the eyes blink, things like that. But back then, it was probably kind of creepy. Basically, this man would import dolls from Germany and insert tiny phonographs into them. Uh, when the dolls went on sale, customers complained that the dolls were too fragile, and when they did work, the recording sounded awful. So the toys kind of bombed when it came to that. So to add to that list, there's there's a ton of other failed inventions that this man created, but the fact that he just kept going, that just blows me away that he just found one idea after the other after the other. He didn't even just focus on one area, as we can see. He tried motion pictures, he tried... Uh, dolls, talking dolls, so toys for children. Uh, he, he tried so many different things. So one of the most successful things that came from this man was the phonograph. So this was a tinfoil phonograph was the very first one that, that he invented. And what he was trying to do was to improve the efficiency of a telegraph transmitter. He noticed that the tape of the machine gave off a noise that resembled spoken words when played at a high speed. And this led him to wonder if he could record a telephone message. He began experimenting with the diagram of a telephone receiver by attaching a needle to it based on the reasoning that the needle could prick paper tape to record a message. His experiments led him to try a stylus on a tin foil cylinder, which, at, to his great surprise, played back the short message he recorded. Mary had a little lamb. That's pretty impressive. I don't know many people that would sit there and think, hmm, this pin can prick the paper at spinning at a high speed would create a sound. These are just things that like my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> we have, again, it's very interesting to me that our son kind of lines up with these things. He, My son comes up with these amazing inventions and has ever since he was little. And one day I hope that he can turn those inventions into reality, similar to what this man did. Because, honestly, my brain doesn't work that way. My brain thinks of things in a very uh, specific way, whereas this man and my son have the similarity of they can look at something and think, oh man, there's a million ways to fix this. Maybe this will work. Maybe that will work. And I think it's awesome. Uh, it's just not something that I'm capable of. I don't feel like... Uh, but this this particular inventor was very good at it. And he never took, again, never took his failures as a, a reason to stop. But they pushed him further and on to his next idea. Probably the greatest challenge that this man ever dealt with was developing a practical incandescent electric light bulb. Now... You guys probably know at this point who I'm talking about. So contrary to popular belief, he didn't invent the light bulb, but rather he invented, he improved, sorry, upon a 50-year-old idea. In 1879, using lower current electricity, 
a small carbonized filament, and an improved vacuum inside the globe, he was able to produce a reliable, long-lasting source of light. The idea of electric lighting was not new. A number of people had worked on and even developed forms of electric lighting. But up to that time, nothing had been developed that was remotely practical for home use. So there were many interesting things about the the practicality of the home light bulb. Obviously, it's, it's better than a candle, less of a fire risk, uh, can produce more light. And there were several other things, specifically seven other items that were almost more important than just the filament that was inside the bulb. Uh, and these were things that Edison improved upon. And yeah, I just said Edison. So Thomas Edison is the, the man that we're talking about here. If I hadn't already given that away with the phonograph and the electric uh, light bulb, right? So these elements include the parallel circuit, a durable light bulb, so the actual bulb itself, an improved dynamo, the underground conductor network, the devices for maintaining constant voltage, safety fuses and insulating materials, and light sockets with on and off switches. So he improved upon all those things, right? So he, he just took something that had been thought about before and he was like, hey, I can do that better and make it usable for everyone in their daily lives, their daily activities. Now, can you imagine nowadays not having a telephone, not having a cell phone? Can you imagine not having light in your house? And what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and go use the restroom? You turn the light on. Uh, what's the thing that you do when you walk in the house late at night? You know, you turn the light on, right? Can you imagine walking in and not having light, having to go find a candle, having to go find the matches, making sure your kids don't knock off the candles and start a fire in the house. Things like that would be just crazy to think of nowadays. Not having cell phones to be able to make phone calls wherever. A lot of people freak out nowadays if they don't have service, right? Back then, you were special if you had a telegraph machine, right? You had to know how to do the dots and the dashes and then be able to listen to it at one point. I can't imagine what things would be like nowadays without those inventions. And that man who tried over and over and over again and never gave up, I admire that passion. The fact that he was constantly, literally trying to improve things. And he was coming up with things that were well before his time. Like I said, TVs, movies weren't really a thing back then. They didn't really catch on the motion picture idea. And he was well before his time. Yet he still tried it. The talking dolls. Again, I think it was probably a little creepy, right? <laughs> Especially if the recordings didn't work so well. And they didn't have the return policy back then that Amazon does, right? So they had to trust that the device was good, and then he had to pro provide the good service. So all of that together, there's a lot of stress behind it, I'm sure. And he just kept pushing through. All of this to say, uh, one of the biggest accomplishments, and he probably wasn't going for numbers, but of course people have gone back in time and, and counted how many patents he had. He had 1,093 patents 
by the time he passed away in October of 1931. 389 patents for electric light and power, 195 for the phonograph, 150 for the telegraph, 141 for storage batteries, and 34 for the telephone. He held the world record. And I believe he still holds the record for a single person in patents up to today. That's impressive. Again, that just goes to show the drive that he had to keep pushing through his adversity. Again, just to reiterate, he lost the majority of his hearing as a, at a young age, was labeled a misfit child, uh, someone who wasn't good at studying, wasn't good at writing, wouldn't amass too much, was the son of a lighthouse keeper, right? And just wasn't really up to snuff at the time. And he turned that into his boredom instead of turning into uh, whatever he could have turned into. He decided to read and educate himself and try and try and try and try. He didn't let anyone tell him no. When something didn't work, like those talking dolls or at the time motion pictures didn't work, he didn't let that get him down. The cement business it didn't work, right? And so what? He kept pushing. He kept going for more. And his hearing issues helped him to create things now that we couldn't have even imagined if we had lived back then. To me, that I don't believe much in coincidence. I believe that he was given those challenges to overcome because he could handle those challenges if he chose to, and he did. And he could help better the world by overcoming those challenges, such as his hearing and lack of formal education. He pushed through all the times that he was told no as far as uh, things failing on him. He didn't care. He kept going. He pushed harder, if anything. He didn't let it stop him. And that's something that I look towards on a daily basis as well, because I have ideas and passions and dreams. So does everyone else. You have them. My kids have them. And I try to not suppress them because everyone is here for a reason at the time that you're here. I firmly believe in that. And you're given specific talents and skills that other people do not have, or if they do, may or may not as skilled as you. And we're here to constantly progress and to better those skills and talents, just like he was. He wasn't the best at hearing, so he probably wasn't going to become an opera singer. But his lack of hearing helped him to develop the telegraph into a better machine, to de develop the telephone, the phonograph, and in everything else that he did as well. He was able to overcome and become better. And that's something that I want for everyone listening. I want you to, maybe you don't have to be the next Thomas Edison, right? You don't have to produce the next amazing invention like the light bulb that had never been invented before. But what you can do is you can influence the lives of those around you. And you can pursue your passions and your dreams. And you never know. You may stumble across someone in your path that needed you at that time. And that was your purpose as you were pursuing your passion to help them to live a more fulfilled life. I know in my own experience that as I pursued 
certain passions of mine, as I have done so, I've come across people that later come back to me and say, you know, the one thing you said to me that day inspired me to get up and get moving again, or inspired me to look at my health in a different way, or the one thing that you did for me allowed me to feel that my life was worth it. That is one of the most powerful things that I'll ever hear. If I can help someone just realize that their life has meaning and that they can push forward through whatever adversity they're going through. I may not understand the adversity that you're going through and I won't pretend to, but I can tell you that you can overcome it if you put your mind to it. Just like Thomas Edison in this story, in this example, I wish that for you. Become better than your challenges. Overcome them. And then think, why was I giving this challenge? What does this teach me? That's what I want for each and every one of you. I hope you enjoyed this story, talking about one of the people that I look to for inspiration uh, when I'm having a rough time or, or thinking that maybe I should stop pursuing a passion of mine. I look at him, Thomas Edison. If you enjoyed this, please share with others. Let them know that I'm here, Redbeard Outdoors. And go check me out on Instagram again, red.beard.outdoors for all posts about our family adventures, personal adventures, things that I overcome, things that I, I, people that I know have overcome things. I share it on there as well so that it's not all about me, but it's about living better and more successful lives. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. And as always, get out, live your life, and love it.